Events for Breakfast, your go-to guide for advice, top tips, and events industry insights. My podcast is delivered in bite-sized chunks to help you digest information and expand your expertise. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Events for Breakfast podcast. I'm Kelly Frew, your podcast host. And before we kick off this week, I've got a question come in from a listener and I just wanted to share it with you. And the question is, how do I pick my guests for the episodes? Well, do you know what? They generally come from you guys. We hear about lots of different topics that you want to hear about and I I pick the best people or the people that I think have got the best stories. So if you or anyone you know wants to come on the podcast, then send them my way because we are, are an open door and it's lovely to hear from everybody. So Abby, thank you for that question. Now, this week's episode is quite an intriguing one, actually, and it made me really think when I was writing the questions for this young lady. So I've got Julia Danmary on the episode today, and she has set her own business up, and it's called Translate Able. Now, Translate Able are a service which provides language services for events people by events people. It does what it says on the tin. And how many of you have worked in an international setting and not been able to speak the language, not been able to negotiate or, you know, build that relationship with suppliers, with clients, with whoever it might be. So I had a really interesting conversation with Julia about this. I've been in this situation many times and it was such a great conversation to have. Ready? Come on then, let's go meet Julia. Julia, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Hello, thank you for having me. So this is going to be such a great conversation. I have written lots of um, questions down to ask you because it's such an interesting topic that we're going to talk about today. Before we get right into the nitty gritty, though, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in the events industry, please? So I've been in the industry for almost 20 years, so a really long time, yes. So um, I've worked kind of at um, EMAP, used to be Harper, which is now High, UBM, now Informa, um, and closer still in the operations departments and yeah. most kind of recent roles as operations director. Um, and kind of recently I've started up my own language agency, Translate Able. So I've decided to kind of use a lot of the skills and experience I've picked up in previous roles to start a language agency dedicated to the event industry. Fabulous. I mean, that, that was very succinct. That was great. And why language? What is it about language that, um, you know, how many different languages do you talk and things like that? Tell me all about it. Well, I, it's basically out of a, like out of a love, but also necessity that yeah. um, I decided to go down the language route. So I've always loved languages. Yeah. I studied them at university. Um, I've used them a lot for work, actually, which has been really, really handy. So throughout being operations director for negotiation for running shows, um, and just kind of through doing that, I've realised, A, how useful they are, yeah. but also, B, how sometimes there's a bit of a lack of awareness of how useful they are. Yeah. And also a lack of expertise sometimes, especially kind of around our industry as well. I mean, some of the kind of the part of the reasons that I decided to launch a language agency was because we were getting things like manuals translated and then you'd get them back and read them. They didn't really make sense because um, the person translating didn't really understand wow. the event industry and kind of certain words. Yeah. Um, 
so that's kind of that's just one reason that I decided to to do it but yes basically out of love and also kind of through seeing how useful languages were to me during my career absolutely um and how many languages do you speak then so I speak um, French, Spanish and Russian. Wow. French and Spanish I've used for work, whereas my Russian's more conversational. I wouldn't use my Russian for work. I mean, that's amazing just in itself. Yeah. And Spanish is quite a key one, isn't it, across the globe? So, yeah, re- really good to have that. Um, I'll come into my lack of knowledge around language very shortly because I've done a lot of international events and we'll come on to that. And I am quite embarrassed about the fact that, you know, I speak English and that's it. <laughs> and I can speak a little bit of French and a tiny, tiny bit of Spanish. But it is embarrassing when, when you work abroad and you can't speak these other languages. Um, but before we. Sorry, go on. It's never too late, I said. You can always pick them up. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I am trying a little bit with Spanish, but we'll, yeah, we'll come on to that in a moment because I've got a whole question around that. And so we've, we've covered languages, we love for languages. Um, yeah. And what about events then? What is it about events that gets you out of bed in the morning? What motivates you? stuff so a lot of it I think because no one day is the same so you could be in the office one day which is great you could be in France another day you could be having a meeting in Excel with a supplier or a venue I think it's just a variety and I don't think you can ever know it all either so no matter how long you do your job something will always crop up that makes you kind of have to stop and think or ask advice somewhere so it's a variety and the constant learning is what I love Absolutely agree. And it's like, the, I mean, the industry has evolved so much in the past few years because we've had to, but it's been nice to, to be changed, to, to be challenged in different ways as well. So, and I think what your business do absolutely probably supported through the last two years in a great way. Now, I've talked there about the fact that all I speak is English and I, I, I work in travel. So this is quite bad for me. So, you know, throughout my career, I've worked in travel conferences overseas and I've done some amazing conferences, amazing fam trips in all across the globe um, and done some really exciting stuff. There was a time when I had to build a marquee. Um, we had to um, start start from scratch um there was a car parking space that we wanted to use we had to knock the car park down we were allowed to they were going to redevelop it anyway so it was part of that um it was in um tunisia and we had to work with a marquee company in tunisia and the gentleman that run the company could not speak a word of english we had to use someone within our business to sort of translate for us and it was pretty embarrassing what you know from a from an events professional's perspective what are the benefits of being able to speak a different language so many so many so um I basically I studied um French at A-level and then kind of stopped studying it and it wasn't until um closer still where I last worked as director I started running events in France thought oh let me just kind of pick my French up again yeah and I remember like the very first show that I did in French it was really tough because I was still kind of looking for words and things get lost in translation when you're kind of like in the last day of build, morning of open, you need to kind of get points across really quickly and succinctly and it's difficult to do that if you don't speak a common language. Yeah. Whereas obviously kind of now having worked in French for quite a few years, I really honestly do notice the difference. So it's little things like um, getting people to do things is one thing. I remember yeah. kind of speaking to... Um, a mains electrician on the show floor and just grabbing him saying please can you help me do this and he said because you speak French so well I'm going to come with you and I'm going to help you right now he actually said that so I was like wow I am so pleased that I speak French so I was absolutely delighted but it's kind of from little things like that I think it's also kind of respectful more respectful really um, and shows kind of you've got a bit more of an appreciation for kind of where you're where you're working 
Um, and I also think that there's less opportunity for things to get lost in translation. So, yeah. But kind of, at least to our, my job in operations was all about detail. So yeah. if you speak that language, you know that you've, they've completely understood you. You, yeah. you know the brief that you've given. So that's always really helped. Um, so yeah, so for those reasons, so, de so detail really, and also just kind of, I feel like it's more respectful as well. I completely agree. Yeah, I've been in several different countries where, um, like I say, well, I'm not talking their language, um, the language that they're the native tongue, and they're having to talk amongst themselves. And then suddenly I'll interject in English. And you do feel quite embarrassed by this because, you know, it, it is disrespectful, the fact that, you know, you haven't taken the time to learn their language and understand it. And, and you also we expect, as in is Brit British, expect everyone just to speak English. We are quite ignorant like that, aren't we? And, you know, do you find it is the British that are the worst at this? So actually, I did like a bit of research into this. So there's yeah. a, a report that was um, pulled by the, oh God, who was it done by, um, anyway, there's a report company who did it in the end. And it basically um, counted how many people speak a second language in every single country. Yeah. And in the UK, 35% speak a second language versus I think Germany was something like 78%. We were, we were basically in the whole of Europe, the lowest wow the absolute lowest. so yeah, yeah. and just going back to kind of one more um area where kind of languages have been useful for me on site is kind of inevitably there are always kind of issues that crop up on site yes you find that if if you don't speak the same language as that person who's got the issue they get angrier yeah whereas again if you can kind of explain to them the situation in their own language i find that also really really helps to kind of appease situations that's a really good point, isn't it? It's building that relationship that we we know in events is so important anyway. And we talk, we bang on about it, about relationship building and that people, you know, buy people and that that's really important. But that we just automatically have that barrier when we can't speak um, each other's language. So, yeah, it's really key, isn't it? How about things like um, negotiations? Do you do you feel that, you know, if you can speak the, the language and understand the culture of, of whatever wherever you're working internationally that you might negotiate better you might get better rates for it and really um work through that contracting piece better too absolutely definitely and um i don't want to give any examples at all in case anyone's listening but yeah. it definitely helped me in negotiation and um, yeah. situations absolutely yes Agree completely. And it's, you know, having going through the legal contracts and things as well and having to get somebody probably like your business, having somebody like your business to actually support and read through all that and make sure that you know what you're signing up to. It's so crucial, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And making sure you understand everything. I mean, kind of one little thing that I've helped on recently is um, a company were looking to um, launch an event in Italy. They yeah. have an Italian speaker, so they don't really understand like the health and safety side, which is obviously really important to running events. So yeah. I kind of helped in that situation and brought in an Italian speaker to kind of be the go-between my client and the venue just to establish kind of how they work together, the health and safety regulations and make sure that everyone fully understood each other. Completely. It is having that local sort of fixer, isn't it? I'm, I was just thinking actually around, um, I'm working on the event at the moment. I'll be very careful what I say because I, it is, we've not announced it yet, but it is in a certain country where we, we are working with a fixer to understand the local culture, to understand exactly what the um, restrictions are within that country um, and how they work as well, health and safety, um, just how people work and just build that relationship. And is that something you guys do? We can definitely do that. It's kind yeah. of anything 
that relates to languages, really. I mean, um, the, the kind of core of what I do is the translation, interpreting, yeah. and live captioning, that side of things. But actually, there are plenty of people that I've worked with whereby they've got a, I don't know, a German client and actually they don't speak German. So they need somebody with experience in the event industry that can be like the go between between the two. So it's yeah. so kind of anything relating to languages because I've been in the industry, in the event industry for so long. And I've actually um, worked as a translator myself as well. And I've worked internationally. I've kind of got quite a few contacts. So, yeah. so I can um, I can definitely connect people to help them out if they did need to know, get to know a local culture. That's brilliant. And if an events professional is listening right now and they're thinking like me, oh, crikey, I really should start learning a language. Which language out of all of these languages across the world would you think would be the most useful? I know it's really difficult to sort of pinpoint one, but is there one that is has got a commonality across the world other than English, obviously? I'd probably say, see, I found them all useful. I'd probably say Spanish. And the reason right. I say Spanish is because it is really widely spoken but also because I think it's probably one of the easiest language to languages to learn as yeah. well yeah I just kind of in terms of the pronunciation kind of every letter is pronounced the yeah. grammar's a little bit easier as well so I'd suggest I'd suggest Spanish that's the one I've got the books on and I'm looking at them right now. So yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, and so I'd like to come on to, and again, I'm not going to go into work and to companies and things, but I worked on an event during lockdown that was a virtual event. Um, it was a global event and we were translating from one language to another language. So a couple of different audiences spoke a different language, basically. And our translators were kind of quite poor. Um, and it made me just, and that we got lots of messages through because people were really um, finding it difficult to keep up with the event. And it really impacted the engagement through the, um, the, the entire event, the virtual event. You could see people dropping off because they just couldn't understand what the translators were saying. So they can really make or break an event, can't they, for us? Yes, absolutely, most definitely. Because, I mean, you've got a translator in because you need somebody to understand in the language the person's translating into so I'd yeah. say that was absolutely crucial so yes definitely but I feel I guess from my point of view and the way that I work because I've worked in operations previously and I've run events yeah quite um I basically do as much kind of work as I possibly can with whoever I work with in advance to make sure that the end result was exactly what they wanted. So for example, if you were using, um, like, was it live interpreters? Were they kind of just re, yeah, saying whatever again? Absolutely. So what I'd kind of tend to do would be to work with whoever I'm working with and I'd provide kind of CVs to you for you to have a look through. Yeah. So they've got the, the, the people that I would pick to put forward to you. Um, they'd have to be specialists in, um, in the industry that they're yeah. interpreting. Um, yeah. In as well so they need to be experts in that so they know exactly the vocabulary that needs to be used how it's to be used as well um, and obviously the kind of native speakers of the language that they're um, um, interpreting into but what I'd normally also suggest is kind of setting up really kind of quick say five minute interviews with a couple of the interpreters yeah, yeah. Um, and just have like a really brief conversation with them um, around the kind of theme that they'll be interpreting and just to make sure you are happy with them as well so just kind of doing just a little bit of kind of working in advance just to make sure that you were happy 
on the day. I mean, that's a really, really good advice. And I'm kicking myself now that we didn't do that, actually. It's really good to, you know, get them in beforehand and just do a quick test run with them and make sure that they're, they're really happy. And I love the tip there around the fact that, you know, whatever, because we're all in events, but d- different industries within events. So make sure that your translator is a complete specialist within that industry that you're working on that event. in. I think that's really key, too. And um, I do remember something that may have not helped them. So you, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Um, they the presenters refused to be scripted so that all the the translators were only given given bullet points so from an events professional's point of view is it important if you're using a translator that they, we provide scripts or should a good translator be able to work off bullet points um, the scripts aren't um, aren't important to have right. I mean it's great if you could have as much information beforehand as possible is fantastic it really does help because it means I can do a little bit more research into the industry yeah um but they're not necessary so kind of interpreters should be able to kind of do it on the day as it flows through they shouldn't have to know kind of every single word that's going to be said that that's day good. That's good to know. Yeah, I was yeah, I was wondering whether we hadn't helped the situation there, but good translators should be able to do their job and translate live and in in real time. Yeah. And just you know, kind of um something I'm actually pulling together that should be up on my website in the next kind of week is actually um a document to kind of say how do you pick the correct interpreter for your events, just kind of like a free resource if anybody wants to look at that. It's also how to pick um pick an interpreter for your event how to pick a translator for your event as well so there'll be some free resources up on my website in the next week or two so amazing that's great yeah and um I think what now that we as a global events industry have sort of adopted hybrid working or events hybrid events and virtual events you know I'm seeing that we're using translators a lot more um, because we're bringing lots of different international cultures together which is lovely and we're getting lots more people to these events but you've got to make sure that everyone understands it that's really important Um, Mm. are you seeing that subtitling now that we are living in this virtual slash hybrid world and it's becoming bigger are you seeing that subtitling is being used a lot more um, more recently within events Yes, very much so, very much so. So it's been kind of a real um, split recently, kind of over the kinds of things that I'm being asked for. So it's not only the kind of on-site interpreters in booths traditionally that you'd see at conferences, but a lot of work actually is virtual and with subtitles, definitely. And kind of quite a few um, platform providers are kind of building bespoke platforms for their clients and incorporating different languages. That's kind of something that um, I've worked on quite a few times recently is helping build bespoke platforms in different languages. So yes, that's quite a big thing, but also kind of um, titles and captions in English even as well. So not just different languages but actually in English too just in terms of accessibility exactly and it just makes those events more inclusive for everybody doesn't it and I think it's something that we have to make sure going forward that we are making them all inclusive for everybody whether it is a live event at the time virtual or even for on-demand access afterwards everything needs to be inclusive yeah Within what you do in terms of um, how translatable, translatable work, I'll get that right. Um, what, are, what are the current trends that you're seeing events professionals wanting and requiring from you guys right now? It honestly is such a, such a mix. Um, I've kind of, if I base it on what happened, I was at Comfex um, yeah. a couple of weeks back. So if I base it kind of on that, the most of the requests were either interpreters um, or providing live captions slash subtitles so yeah. those were probably kind of the two most requested things 
and that kind of goes in hand with the sort of virtual hybrid kind of world that we're living in at the moment so yeah I, I completely understand that definitely and in terms of for you and your business talk to me about where you where you know your vision for the next sort of 12 months what are you what are you hoping to achieve um lots of things <laughs> um, I think obviously just kind of um letting people know that I'm here because yeah. there is no a language agency specifically dedicated to the event industry so yeah. just kind of letting people know that I'm from the event industry myself so kind of I know how you work and kind of I'm not a nine to five person or company either so I'm kind of here with you to work on your event I realize that events don't stop at five they don't stop yeah. at weekends so I'm kind of here to support um, your event and also kind of obviously that I know the lingo as well it's not just the industry but I know the language within the event industry um, so that's one thing but also kind of just to um, just help people make people's lives easier as well kind of yeah. I mentioned some um, free resources that I was going to pop up on my website but kind of things just to make people more aware as to actually this is what you could do to make your language provision much better because what I'd hate is people to have like a really bad experience and think that having that language resource wasn't worth it whereas yeah. actually we could do a few things um to iron those out and have a wonderful experience then I'd be very happy so yes just kind of trying to make people's life easier when it comes to language resource um and just letting people know that I'm here as well amazing yeah great goals to have and um as you know as a business owner now then just to coming on to the business side of things um is is running a business exactly as you thought it was going to be you're really enjoying it what's your experience been so far I love it. It's been fantastic. What I've loved the most um, is the different types of people I'm speaking to yeah. and all the kind of people that I'm coming into contact with, how different every single project is. I mean, I kind of mentioned earlier what I, one of the things I love about events yeah. is how different every day is. But uh, doing this, every project is, is different as well. Um, so although I imagined it to be wonderful, I feel like it's even, even better than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, I get to kind of manage, well, manage everything, don't I? Kind of my clients, my time, and everything. So, so yeah, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, and our podcasters can't see, our listeners can't actually see, but you've got this wonderful smile on your face. So I can tell you mean it from the heart that you're absolutely enjoying yes. this. Definitely. Yes, you've mentioned your website there. If anybody wants to find out more, because I think you know what your business do is so relevant right now, and um, I'm sure there's lots of events professionals sitting there going, "Crikey, we need we need to know more." You know, where can where can they find you, Julia? Where can we direct them to? So my website is translateable.com. Yeah. So on there, I've also got an Instagram account which is translate underscore able. So in those two spots, and by my website, you'll see there are contact details and email address that sort of thing as well. Amazing. Julia, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And um, I will watch you very closely over the next 12 months and see how you do. Lovely. Thank you so much for having me. So what a fascinating conversation, hey? Thank you so much to Julia for joining me on the podcast today. It's fascinating to see how we connect the events world through language and the ways that we can do that and how we need the help to do that too. If you want to reach out to Julia, then please do get in touch. I know she will be more than willing to hear from you. And the same from me. If I can help support in any way or you want to have a chat with me, I'm Kelly Frew. You'll find me on all the socials or on my website, storymakerevents.com.
Don't forget, you can join the Events for Breakfast podcast community online. We're on LinkedIn, we are on Twitter, and we're on Instagram. Come say hello and join in the conversation. And final thing, on Apple, why not subscribe? Or on Google or however, Spotify, however you're listening to us today, subscribe so the podcast lands into your podcast provider every single week and you don't even have to think. Thank you all for continuing to listen. I am loving this season and we've got more next week for you. Take care. Bye for now.